Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and not lose heart. One of the things that I love about the Apostle Paul, he could take the everyday things that were happening in life and teach a great biblical principle. And one of those that he taught throughout the New Testament was this idea that the Christian life was a race. The Christian experience is like running a race. And you see, it starts the minute we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. It starts the minute we know that He is Lord of our life. And it ends when we die. That race begins with Christ. It ends when we see Christ for the Christian. Now, it's an interesting thing that I've noted over the years. It's often not how a person lives their life, but how they end their life that they're remembered for. Think of Judas. I'm sure that Judas did some good things, or he would not have been included as one of the twelve. But what is Judas remembered for? He's remembered for 30 pieces of silver. He's remembered for betraying Christ. He's remembered for taking that silver and throwing it at the priest when he realized the tragic thing that he had done, and he's remembered for a suicide. I don't know what else you know about him, but basically that's it. But on the other hand, there is the Apostle Paul in a Roman jail. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. Therefore, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which God, the righteous judge, will not only give me, but unto all of those who love his appearing. You see, we remember his whole life because he finished strong. He finished with Christ as Lord and part of his life. I remember when I was in high school, my junior junior year, I was on the track team and the cross-country team. Our first cross-country meet was at Ben Hall's golf course in Owensboro, Kentucky. There were five schools, and there were about 60 runners. During the race, I went around three runners from Owensboro High School. I remember the words just as clear as I can remember a lot of things, that one of them said, hey, we got to catch him. And one of the persons said, no, don't worry about him. He'll never finish. Well, I did finish. 
I didn't win the race, but I finished. I came in sixth. And I remember all very vividly that the one who said he'll never finish walked up and he said, good race. You ran a good race. And I never forgot that from that day forward. Here is the key. The Christian life is like a course carefully mapped out, like a course for a runner. God has laid out the course with His instructions and His Word. And this morning, it's all about finishing strong. It's all about never giving up. Winston Churchill, I believe it was during World War II, spoke at Oxford University. He stood up, he came up to the platform, he looked out at the crowd for a few minutes, and then he said these words, never give up. Never give up. And with all the oratory of one of the great orators of all time, he said, never give up. He stood there for another minute. He went and he sat down, and people who had studied and followed Winston Churchill said that was probably the greatest speech that he ever gave. And so let me remind you, when you get into the Christian experience, never, never, never give up. Now let me give you a little information about how to finish strong. There's an outline in your bulletin. If you, if you want to take it, it might help you to follow it. Number one, keep running until you reach the finish line. You remember Forrest Gump? One day he started running. He ran down to the road. He turned right and he ran to the Atlantic Ocean. He turned left and he ran to the Pacific Ocean. Then he ran back to the Atlantic Ocean. He ran back to the Pacific Ocean. And somewhere, either in Montana or Wyoming, he just stopped. Later on, when he was recounting the, this experience, someone said, well, why did you quit? He said, I don't know. I just stopped. And it's so easy when we're encountered with, with, with persecution, as was talked about this morning, or other experiences, to just give up, just stop. And I want to encourage you today, never, never, never give up. It was October the 20th, 1968, at Olympic Stadium in Mexico City. Mamo Waldi won the Olympic Marathon. But something happened that day that most people never forget. Just as people were leaving the stadium and most people were gone, a man with a Tanzanian flag wrapped around his body came into the stadium. His name was John Stephen Aquari. His leg was bandaged. He was bloody. He limped around the last rap, rap, lap and crossed the finish line. Someone asked him, they said, John Stephen Aquari, why didn't you quit and give up? And here was his words that have been quoted many, many times. He said this, my country did not send me 7,000 miles 
to start the race and not finish. And this morning, I'm only telling you what you already know. God didn't save you. God didn't bring you into the kingdom of God for you to begin the race, but not finish it. Keep on keeping on until you reach the finish line. Second thing I want to tell you, that starting is great, but it's not enough. At the start, you know, of, I remember uh, in, in, in my track and cross-country career, at the beginning I felt strong, I was empowered, I was going to win the race. But after running for a, a, little, a little while, the, uh, it began to become more difficult. As a minister of 45 years and a retired pastor of eight years, eight glorious years, oh yeah, and 45 glorious years too, I have noticed that many start with enthusiasm and excitement and joy, but after a while, their spiritual muscles get tired and they begin to scream out in pain. It is said that during COVID, 20% of the people who attended church quit attending and no longer attend. And I learned not that, that uh, be, and the reasons why we, we could go into. But I just want you to know that God has called us to keep running and to finish strong. I learned as a runner that the last few yards or however it was before you got to the finish line were really exciting. You were tired, you were, didn't know if you could make it, and then you saw the finish line. And there was a new excitement. We called it the kick. You ever heard of the kick? Scripture calls it finishing strong. And God wants us to finish strong. That's why he said in chapter 12, verse 1, lay aside every weight and the sin which causes you to fail and run with patience the race that is setting before you. In the movie Chariots of Fire, I mean, many of you saw that movie and can remember that movie. It's, it's the story of Eric Little who ran for Scotland and about him refusing to run on Sunday. But did you know that in 1923, before the Olympics, Eric Little ran in the Commonwealth Games the 100, the 200, and the 400-meter dash. He won the 100-meter dash. He won the 200-meter dash. But on the 400-meter dash, as he was going around the last curve, he fell. But he got up. And he... With, uh, with uh, 40 yards to go, Eric Little was in third place, but he ran. And just before they got to the tape, he passed J.J. Giles, another chariot of fire hero, and won the race. The paper in England said that next day, that under the circumstances in which he won the 400-meter race, this 
had to be known as the greatest track performance they had ever seen. And I'll tell you, when you and I have finished our race down here, and we pass that finish line, and we see Jesus, it will be known to us and those who knew us and those who were waiting for us as the greatest track performance of all time. Think of this Christian life. You know, there's something glorious about getting up after you've fallen down. And sometimes you will be knocked down. If you think the Christian life is all easy, you haven't read your Bible. And some of the scriptures that were read this morning, Paul was crushed. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. It's not an easy life all the time. It's the best life. I was thinking this morning as I was going over this sermon, I hadn't thought of it a long time. People used to say if there was no heaven to gain and no hell to shun, I'd still want to live the Christian life because it's the best way to live. It's a great way to live. But sometimes we're discouraged. Sometimes we're disillusioned. Sometimes we're depressed. Sometimes we waller in our self-pity. And that's okay. We're human. The only shame is to stay there and give up and quit. God says, keep running. When I was in Bible school, we were told that before we could graduate, we had to have a life verse. I'd never heard of a life verse. What in the world's a life verse? I thought the whole Bible was for, for life. And so I began to search and finally came up with a verse and um, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I made that my life verse, and I suspect I've never taken it away. It says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Now, the third thing I want to do is say, don't give up when you reach Heartbreak Hill. Many of you have watched or seen, some may have run in or been to the Boston Marathon. But you may not know that at mile 13 to mile 19 begins a series of hills that are known as Heartbreak Hill. World-class runners have hit the wall at mile 18 and mile 19 where the body is struggling to keep up and they feel like they're going to die, and they want to quit, Heartbreak Hill will test every marathon runner to the limit. And I tell you this morning, there are Heartbreak Hills in all of our lives. Life is not one level grade. There are heartbreaks. We will have problems. Just a couple weeks ago, I read in... in, in, um, online of a pastor. I knew this pastor. Pastoring in Elwood, Indiana. Popular man in the city. Chaplain for the, for the, uh, chaplain for the city council. Well-known, well-loved. He was driving down a road that I have driven down many times. And either he swayed over or the semi-truck swayed over and hit him head-on and he died instantly. Life It's not always easy. There are heartaches. There are problems. There are disappointments. When you lose a job, when you go through a divorce, 
when you face financial catastrophe, when you have an emotional breakdown. But God says, trust me, keep going. I was trying to think of how I could illustrate this from an experience in my own life. And because of the circumstances that you'll understand as I share this, you, you will understand why I am sharing it. It was in October of 1965. I had, uh, some of you may know, I had become, uh, I had become a um, foster child and had miraculously been asked by the pastor of the church that I'd have been attended to come live with them when my mother left because of difficult circumstances in my life and in my home life. I was pretty excited to find a place. That mother, that woman who became a second mother to me is dying right now in the hospital in Stewart, Florida. I had never had a conversation with her. I, I didn't, I'd never talked to her. And yet, God told her to let me come live with her in one of my darkest moments. But I'll never forget on Friday, that Friday in October, my mother said to me, Sam, we've got our orders. Next week, your two brothers, me and your sister, are moving to Bad Kreuznach, Germany, for three years. You know, that was heartbreak for me. And that night, I, I, I just, all of a sudden it hit me. My life is about ready to drastically change. No mother there when I graduate from high school. No mother there to help me to know where I should go to college. My life is about ready to drastically change forever. I didn't know if I'd ever see her again. If you see, this was before cell phones, and this was before computers for three years. That night, I said, Mom, I'm going to go. I got to go. And I walked, and I cried, and I walked, and I cried, and I walked, and I cried. I got home about 3, 4 in the morning, And at 6 o'clock, the alarm went off. And I knew it was time for me to get ready, go to the high school where the regional cross-country meet was. We were to meet to go to Bowling Green, Kentucky to run for the, in, at Western Kentucky University in the regional, regional track meet. I was so devastated. I was tired. I was hurting. I was sad, I was disillusioned, but I got up and I went. But here's the point, about halfway, about halfway through the race, I stopped. I began to reason, why am I doing this? I don't feel like doing it, I don't want to do it. Life has come to a cataclysmic change for me, and I stopped. 
I remember there were three, between three and 500 runners at that race, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm, I'm just walking in the middle of it. They're hitting me and knocking me over, and, 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 I, and all of a sudden, it hit me. You know, I can't quit. I've got to keep on going. And I started up and went on. When I finally finished the line, the finish line, losing my chance to go to the state meet, my coach said, good job, Sam. You ran a good race. And doesn't it excite you to know that when you finish your race down here and you come face to face with Jesus Christ and you hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. There are those times when we just feel like giving up. Well, let me move on, and I, 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 I want to get to the second point. I want to tell you probably the most important part of this sermon. It is with God's help we finish. Listen, none of us can make it in our own strength. It's with God's help that we finish. In 1988, Derek Redmond qualified, I can hardly tell this story and think about what God means to me today without crying, so bear with me. But in 1988, Derek Redmond qualified for the Olympics. But because of an Achilles tendon problem, he did not know if he could ever run. run. From the time he qualified till the time of the Olympics, he had five surgeries on that tendon. There was problem after problem, but somehow he managed to make it to the Olympics. And somehow he was able to qualify for the race. And he was determined to run. But while he was running, he pulled the tendon again fell to the ground, and got up and limped across the finish line, saying to himself over and over and over, I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm going to finish. And so he crawled to the finish line. Then in 1992, in the Barcelona, Spain, the Olympics there, he qualified again for the 400-meter dash. But during the 400-meter race, with 100 meters left in the semifinals, after 100 meters in the semifinals, he fell to the track with a torn handstream. Medical attendants ran to the track and approached him. I remember seeing this. Maybe some of you can remember. If you, if you saw it, you'll never forget it. They ran and approached him, but he signaled me, pushed him off, and he began to limp on one leg around the track. But in the stands that day was a big man with a T-shirt, Nike T-shirt that said, just do it. He jumped out of the stands. He passed the security, and he put his arms around Derek. His name was Jim Redmond. He had lived his whole life for his son's career. 
He had worked two, three, four jobs. He had lived in, in, in lesser places. Committed to his son. Committed to his child. He gave everything that that child might fulfill his dream of being an Olympic champion. And that day, he ran out onto the, I, I, re, I can just remember it. He ran out onto the track. He put his arm around the waist of his son. And together, they hopped. Derek Redman on one leg, Jim Redman on two legs, around that track until they finished and went across the finish line. I want you to think about that this morning. If this is the way an earthly father treats his son, treats his child, who is determined to finish the race, how much more does God, the heavenly father, run to his son or daughter when they are determined to finish the race? No wonder Jesus said, if your earthly father knows how to give good gifts to you, how much more does your father in heaven know how to give good gifts to them that love him? This morning, if you know Jesus Christ, I don't know what you're going to face. I don't know what you're going to go through. But if you'll just keep on keeping on, one of these days, you'll cross the finish line. I love Isaiah, and I want to just read two verses. Isaiah chapter 46, the Old Testament gospel. In Isaiah chapter 46, verse 3, listen to me, you whom I have upheld since you were conceived and carried you since your birth, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue. Those are the words of God to us this morning.